This is the Rich Eisen Show. How you doing? Good, Dan. How about you? <laughs> no complaints. No complaints. Uh, That's good. We don't want to hear them anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> That'll wrap it up for this show. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. That's a fact. <laughs> we don't want to hear the complaints. We don't want to hear Absolutely don't want to hear complaints. Absolutely not. The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Dan Schwartzman. And now, sitting in for Rich... Hit the drop. It's Dan Schwartzman. It is hour two of the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich. Got a little bit of the lines here if you want to hop on board. 844-204-RICH. That's 844-204-7424. I have to admit, I've been watching the NHL playoffs a lot. I've, I've kind of gotten back into hockey. Hockey lost me for a couple of years. I... Slowly put a toe back in the water, and I'm back. I really am. Hockey's fun. Playoff hockey's the best. Officials understand it, so they don't sit there calling penalty after penalty after penalty. A lot of these games have been really interesting going down to the wire. A lot of overtime games as well. But this has also given me an opportunity to watch a guy that I don't watch often because he plays in Edmonton. And I think half of you listening to the show probably don't even know where Edmonton is. It's in Alberta, by the way. And right there doesn't help, right? Because if I tell you it's in Alberta, you're probably like, where the where the hell's Alberta? Somewhere out there west in Canada, okay? If that helps you out a little bit. Exactly where? Beats me. I've never been there. So the best player on the planet in the sport of hockey, in his prime, no one watches. We complained in Major League Baseball, right, that Mike Trout plays for the Angels, which is the B team in Los Angeles, and with the heavier population total of America living on the East Coast, most baseball fans can't watch Mike Trout on a regular basis. We had that problem with Ichiro, right? Like Ichiro is one of the greatest players you will ever watch, but many of you never got to watch him in his prime because he's playing on Seattle and first pitch is 10.05 or 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. So kids are already in bed. And you have to work tomorrow, so maybe you watch the first couple of innings. And you missed watching Ichiro, one of the greatest players in the history of baseball. It's the same problem here. When it, And by the way, we have that problem now with Shohei Otani. And I love when people talk about who's the best player in baseball, and they talk about, well, Aaron Judge and Mike Trout and Vladdy Guerrero and this and that. I'm like, um, yeah, they're all great. But they all can't do one thing that Otani does. Besides, Otani can hit. He hit, what, 50 home runs last year. But uh, he also happens to be a true ace pitcher. Like, literally a true ace pitcher. And it's not like he's a novelty act on the mound. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes they, like people have been talking about the Cardinals pitching Yachty and they pitched Albert Pujols and everybody's getting a good yuck out of that, right? Like, a good laugh. Those guys aren't obviously pitchers. Shohei Otani is literally an ace. He's 3-2 and two on the season with a 2-8 ERA. And he has a 53-9 strikeout-to-walk ratio in 38 and a third innings. And upper 90s fastball. Hits, yeah, he hits 100 miles an hour. I mean, it, it's, it's disgusting. And oh, by the way, he hit 46 home runs and drove in 100 runs last year and was an MVP. And this year, in 43 games, he's got 9 home runs and 28 RBIs. And, um, you know, he started off slow, but he's kind of back, right? He's back up to 256. He was hitting under 200 for a while. 
So when you talk about who the best players in baseball are, if you're going to put a top five list and Shohei Otani's not on your list, you're automatically canceled. Like, you, you don't know baseball. And the problem is, no one can watch Shohei Otani do these amazing things. Art Martinez, you're on the West Coast. You get to see it. I know you're a Dodger fan, but I'm sure as a baseball fan, you admire a guy who just pitched seven innings of one-hit baseball and by the way, he's swinging a bat, comes up in the next inning and hits a home run, 450. Yeah, he's the DH. Yeah, absolutely. No one else can do that in the game today. So any top five list of best players in baseball, not including Shohei Otani, is not a good top five list. And when people leave him off the list, you're like, what are you doing? And I've heard, you know, ex-baseball players giving you top five lists and Shohei Otani's not on it. And I'm thinking, that's a head scratcher. Good luck being an ace pitcher and an ace batter. Doesn't happen. I don't think Mike Trout's going out there and pitching and striking out 100 batters in 70 innings. Not happening. But anyway, that's the problem right now with baseball is you have the Angels and very few people watch that team because people in Los Angeles watch the Dodgers and people on the East Coast aren't awake to watch Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. In hockey, it's even worse. Connor McDavid is a generational talent, okay? He is... I mean... It's hard to put anybody in Gretzky's class or Lemieux's class because those guys were so ridiculous. Sidney Crosby's in that, right? Connor McDavid's in that as well. They're not putting up 180 points, 200 points, and scoring 90 goals the way that Gretzky did and Lemieux was close. Ovechkin obviously is a tremendous goal scorer, and he's an all-time great. But in terms of all-around ability on the ice... Listen, Sidney Crosby is Sidney Crosby. Like, Ovechkin's a great finisher. Probably the greatest goal scorer, right? Maybe even greater than Gretzky. He may even beat Gretzky with 892 or 94 goals off the top of my head. Ovechkin might actually break that number. But in terms of all-around hockey, making guys around him better, as a facilitator, Sidney Crosby's great, and Connor McDavid is great. He's 25 years old. If you have not watched Connor McDavid play hockey, you're missing out. You really are. And I've been missing out all these years because, again, hockey lost me for a little bit. And then I don't watch Edmonton Oilers hockey, but I've been watching a lot of playoff hockey. And this guy is just special. He's 6'1", 195 pounds. But when he plays, he plays as if he's 6'4", 245 pounds. You know, people forget that uh, Alex Ovechkin is like 6'4", 250, like 245. He's built like a linebacker. Yarmir Yager, one of an all-time great, was built like a linebacker. Connor McDavid is not as big physically, but when you watch him on the ice, it seems he is. He plays that way. You can't knock him off the puck. When he's got the puck on his stick, you can't knock him off. But he also skates like the wind. He's got a million-mile-an-hour shot. There is not a single weakness. He's got eyes on the back of his helmet, right? The guy has not a single weakness. It's flat-out disgusting watching this guy play. It is. And he's putting up Gretzky-esque numbers this postseason. In 11 postseason games, he has 25 total points. If you did that over the course of a year, that's like a 180-point season. It's crazy what he's doing. I mean, it's, it's utterly incredible. And we talk about Luka Doncic and the start of his career. Connor McDavid started off as an 18-year-old, okay? He's played in the NHL, what is this, year number seven? And in seven years, he has not crossed the 100-point threshold twice. His rookie year, when it was shortened to 45 games and he had 48 points, 
And then three years ago, he only played 64 games and, by the way, had 97 points. I mean, he's averaging almost 100 points a season, all right? He's three points under that. He'll get there and go over that next year. But the guy is just such an incredible all-time great already at 25, and we're not able to watch him. I remember, by the way, remember, hockey was coming out of a lockout when the Sidney Crosby draft sweepstakes was happening. All right, I know you're a hockey fan. I don't know if you remember this. And hockey needed Sidney Crosby, right? And Sidney Crosby was clearly the consensus number one draft pick, and he was a generational talent. And I don't like to cheapen that word because we cheapen that, by the way, in football all the time. But Sidney Crosby was legitimately a generational talent coming out of the junior ranks. And I remember, I think it was a Jeremy Roenick or somebody said, the NHL needs to rig this lottery because they had that lottery and get Sidney Crosby to New York, put him on the Rangers so he gets the most exposure. You remember that? Yes, yeah, slightly. I, forgot, I, I think it was Roenick said that. And obviously people said, oh my gosh, you can't do that. Hasn't Sidney Crosby, look, Pittsburgh has won a lot with him. They've won three cups. But hasn't it been somewhat of a slight waste to have Sidney Crosby in a small market like Pittsburgh, the way that it's a waste to have Connor McDavid doing what he does in a small market like Edmonton where no one's watching? I mean, it really is. It's a waste that Mike Trout can walk around a major city and not be recognized by 90% of the people he's walking by, right? Best player in baseball. I mean, the showcase of your top talent is awful. Tom Brady walks down a street. Guess what? Everybody knows him. Your mother knows him. Your wife knows him. The kids know who he is. He's very recognizable. LeBron James walks down a street. Everybody notices him. Everybody knows who he is. Steph Curry, same thing. Everybody stops. Connor McDavid, who is in the same class to their to his sport, the way that they are in their sport, walks down a street, I guarantee you no one notices him. No one. He could walk down 42nd Street in New York City in rush hour, and he's not getting stopped. He's not. No one knows what he looks like because he plays in Edmonton. Mike well, Trout walks down that street, the somebody same, will stop him. Isn't it the same thing with, with Steph Curry? He plays on the West Coast. Yeah, but, but he plays how do we, San How Francisco. did we recognize him? It's, it's, first of all, advertising, right? He's in a lot of commercials. But he's also playing in San Francisco. Yes, it's the West Coast. But they're not competing with another team. Mike Trout is competing with the Dodgers, who are clearly the number one team. It's like the Yankees and the Mets, right? The Yankees are the Yankees. always be New York's baseball team. The way that the Dodgers are the Dodgers. They're always L.A.'s baseball team. The Angels have to lie about being in L.A., right? Remember that? It's really the Anaheim Angels, as you know. And they started calling themselves the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and the Dodgers sued them. They lost, though, but they sued them because they were using Los Angeles when they are not in Los Angeles. Yeah, not even in the county. And they're not in the county, exactly. They're in Anaheim. So the whole fact is, you know, they have to kind of make it up to try to sound like they're in a bigger market than they truly are. And that's why Mike Trout can walk down the block here in New York, and he's not going to get recognized. Connor McDavid is today's version of Wayne Gretzky, and no one knows him. No one knows him. It's a shame. It really is. Because if you ever took the time to watch this guy play, you're going to tell me, you're going you're gonna to tell me, my goodness, this guy is just ridiculous. Not a single weakness in his game. How did we know, how did we recognize Gretzky back in the day? Because he played for Edmonton. Ah, uh, but then he, no, then he went to L.A., though. You know, and, and back then, see, Gretzky, those... 
Gretzky played on Edmonton, and Edmonton was far and away the best team, right? They had Messier, Yari Curry, Kevin Lowe. They were loaded. Marty McSorley. Paul Coffey. Paul Coffey, Grant Fuhrer. I mean, they were a sexy team. Connor McDavid is, and Leon Dreisaitl is a heck of a player. People, by the way, you'll never recognize him. And no one else on that team really stands out to where you're like, oh, yeah, look, they got that guy. Gretzky was known, but Gretzky took off when he went to L.A., right? Gretzky became the American household name and really brought hockey to Los Angeles when he came to L.A. Like, that was a, but here's the thing. That was a perfect situation. Imagine if Wayne Gretzky had been traded to the from the Edmonton Oilers to, I don't know, St. Louis Blues? Atlanta Thrashers. Atlanta, <laughs> Atlanta Thrashers, they weren't around, but still. Exactly. Dallas Stars, you know, Nashville Predators. Like, Gretzky had to go to either New York or L.A., right? Top two markets, and it worked out. Connor McDavid goes to a place like New York or L.A., guess what? More people are going to know who he is. If Mike Trout came and played for the Yankees, people know who he is a little bit more. There's more exposure. It's just strange that two sports like that, their top stars, are unrecognizable. Maybe that's why those sports have a problem, right? I, I mean, again, LeBron James, Steph Curry, everybody knows who they are to where a young kid picking up a basketball says, I want to be LeBron. I want to be Steph Curry. You want to emulate somebody. You can latch on to somebody. You can latch on to the top talent because you know who they are. In football, I want to be Tom Brady. All right? I mean, it's it's everybody knows. I want to be Lamar Jackson. I want to be this guy. Everybody knows who these guys are. Is a kid going to tell me, is a kid on the East Coast going to tell me I want to be Connor McDavid? I'd ask him, son, have you ever watched him play? Well, no, I haven't. He plays at 10 o'clock at night and my bedtime's 8 o'clock. And he plays for the Oilers. Wasn't that a team in Houston? You know what I'm saying? How was my little kid voice? Is all right? (laughs) Creepy. (laughs) Creepy, right? It's like a ventriloquist. (laughs) But seriously, it's a major problem. I've been, I've been... Well, how do they solve it then? I mean, do, do they put him more on ads more? Does his agent try to get him in movies? What do they do? <laughs> Trade him. <laughs> get him to a market that you know that that's relevant. Put him in Chicago. Put him in New York. Put him in L.A. Put him in Boston. You know, put him in a city where you know there's a population number in the millions where you have you know. Edmonton, of course, has diehard hockey fans, but again, it's not a big city. It's up there in Canada, and no one, you know, no one's going to Edmonton. I, I mean, you, you can't force a team to trade a player, obviously, right? You can't Population do that. of Edmonton nine hundred eighty-one thousand two hundred eighty, and that probably is the surrounding areas also. It's probably not just the city. I'm telling you, man, it's a problem. It really is. Don't you think it's a problem in L.A.? I mean, honestly, Mike Trout's the best player in L.A. I mean, can he walk around L.A. and people are not going to recognize him? Uh, to me, it's Cody Bellinger. I thought it's Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts, yes. But seriously, though, I mean, if Mookie Betts walks around in L.A. and Mike Trout's walking around in L.A. on the other side of the street, who's getting more recognized? Yeah, Mookie. Yeah. Mookie. But who's the better player? Mike Trout. Nothing against Mookie. Mike Trout's the best player. That's a, it's a, it's an issue. It really is an issue. Now, the other problem with the, here's the other problem. We kind of think we know who Tom Brady is, right? Because he talks and he's got his Twitter and he's kind of funny and he does interviews here and there. 
you know, LeBron James, he talks maybe sometimes too much. Have you ever heard Connor McDavid talk? I don't even know what he sounds like. I honestly have no idea. When's the last time he sat down for an interview that everybody can watch? Mike Trout, by the way, does not have much of a personality. I think it's by design, but Mike Trout doesn't talk much. Mike Trout's not putting himself out there all the time representing baseball, even though I think he should a bit more because he is the face of the sport, and it should be. It's an issue. Major sports. There's four major sports in America, and two of them have their best players unrecognizable. So here's my advice. If you have a chance to watch some hockey, turn out an Edmonton Oilers playoff game, watch some Connor McDavid, and just be ready to get oohed and awed by how great of a player he is. He is flat-out fantastic. Not a weakness in his game. It is worth the price of admission. All right, the NBA rolls along. Miami and Boston, game number five, series tied at two apiece. We're going to talk with senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Joe Varden, coming up next. A lot to talk about with him, but uh, don't forget... Every golf equipment company claims to be longer off the tee. But Callaway's new Rogue ST driver is the only one built to completely bomb it. It's been speed-tuned to be Callaway's fastest, most stable driver ever. Every Rogue ST is engineered with a new tungsten speed cartridge, which gives you more speed on off-center hits and provides more forgiveness thanks to high MOI. But that's just the beginning because Callaway has engineered a Rogue ST for every player. Most golfers will fit into the Max because of its incredible combination of distance and forgiveness. But there's also Max D, their dedicated draw model for players who need more shot shape correction. Now, if you need something more low spin, there's Max LS, which gives you stronger trajectory with a more neutral ball flight. But for the true players out there, the Rogue ST Triple Diamond LS is the compact low spin head that the tour players love. Callaway has thought through every aspect the speed so all you have to do is go rogue find your rogue st driver at callawaygolf.com slash go rogue all right nba talk coming up next dan schwartzman filling in for rich eisen on this wednesday right here on the rich eisen show let's talk o'reilly auto parts people or as you might know from their jingle o o o o'reilly auto parts they're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least... The partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. 
That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code EISEN. That's I B O T T A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. The Rich Eisen Show on a Wednesday. Dan Schwartzman filling in for Rich. Did yesterday and today. Always a good time doing so. Rich on his way back from the East Coast. They were up for a sports Emmy last night. Went to Good Morning Football, but uh, always good to see Rich getting accolades, deservingly so, for this awesome show. All right, the NBA postseason rolls along Eastern Conference Finals Game 5 tonight. Miami Heat, Boston Celtics, a lot of injuries. That's been really the conversation, sadly, of this series of two evenly matched teams that play very similar styles. Let's find out the latest senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Joe Varden, joining us. And Joe, what's the latest injury-wise that we know when it comes to Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams III, some real big names in this series? Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, the the list keeps going and going. So Jimmy is not on the injury report tonight. So unless something pops up today that we don't even know about, he's good to go. Uh, Tyler Hero is among the several players that the Heat have listed as questionable. Uh, the other day, he said he intended to play tonight, um, which I always take with a grain of salt because I, I don't assume that these players ever intend to not, to not play in situations <laughs> like this. Um, but I kind of think he'll be out there. When it gets to Robert Williams and Marcus Smart, uh, this morning, Ime Udoka told us that both players um, are still questionable. They're going to try to test it out tonight and see how it goes. But with Smart, there is still swelling and soreness in that ankle. Now, he was here at shoot-around today. He was, uh, he was walking a little slow, but it looks like he went through at least a portion of it. So um, unlike the other night in Boston where he did not test it, he, he knew he wasn't going to play, um, I think he will try to give it a go tonight and uh, kind of expect to see him out there. You know, Joe, as a basketball fan, this this stinks. And the reason is, you know, Dallas and Golden State, to me, you have a clear-cut better team. That being the Warriors, they're a deeper team. They're just better, right? In this series with Boston and Miami, look, they're very similar teams. They both play great defense, a lot of wing scoring, two very good coaches with Adoka and, of course, with Eric Spolstra. It's a toss-up, and we're not really getting the bulk of it because we have such good players. You know, Williams and Smart are both tremendous defensive players. Heroes, obviously, instant offense. And, look, Jimmy Butler may not be on the injured list, but we saw him playing game four coming off the injury list. Still certainly looked injured to me. So the reality is, Joe, as a basketball fan, doesn't it stink that we're not going to see really the full rosters of two really good evenly matched teams? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. I shouldn't say that way. Yes, of course it stinks. Um, but it, I, I guess like part of the, part of the game is to see how these teams respond and how they, um, how they work around it. I do feel like it's different than the problem we always talk about in the regular season where it does stink that you paid whatever you paid to go watch this team on a night in February and a third of the guys aren't playing. This is not that. These are these two teams that are on the brink of a finals. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, 
They are uh, the guys who can go, go, and, and, and players like Jimmy and Kyle who are clearly hurt, um, but they're, they're, they're trying to find a way to gut it out. So, you know, I, I recognize that in this, on this side of the bracket we haven't had many close games yet, um, but we are still in a 2-2 series, uh, and I think both teams are in danger, um, which is what you want. You want yeah. you want these series to come down to you know a best of three, and there we are. No, I agree with you. I think the fun of this series is even with you know both sides are missing or have you know tremendous players banged up to where it kind of evens them out, continuing from when they're healthy. So it's not like one team has lost stars and the other team has lost role players. They've both lost and have quality players injured, which kind of continues to even them both out. Uh, if you're a betting man, Joe, who takes this? Probably in seven, but. Who do you think moves on to most likely face the Warriors? Well, it's a good question. Um, and I spent a lot of time with this yesterday on the plane. I posted a story this morning on The Athletic that looks at all this, the different ways it can go. And the, the thing that you can't get around so far in this series is when the Celtics have Robert Williams III and Al Horford on the court, the Heat have no answer for that. Uh, right. The Celtics have won those two games by something like 48 points like it's not even remotely close um having those two guys one of them to bother jimmy out up top and then the other one standing there with his arms outstretched you know to, to play rim defense um bothering bam out of bio you know the, 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 he just they haven't found a way around that yet so i think if robert williams knee holds up and they are able to play those dudes for the next two or three games i i, I think the celtics take it the reason why i hedge there's no guarantee. Like the Celtics say, Robert Williams is literally day to day for the rest of the postseason because of that knee. Wow, <laughs> which means they have no idea. You're <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Game to game, it's like yeah. well, we hope he's going to be okay, but obviously they have no idea. Joe Varden, senior NBA writer for the Athletic, joining us here on the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich on this Wednesday. Let's head to the West, uh, the Western Conference Finals. Valiant effort by the Dallas Mavericks yesterday. Obviously, it rained in there yesterday, which is uh, bizarre. What happened with the Golden State Warriors? Is that, is that just one of those games where it's like, all right, nothing goes right. Let's just regroup. We have ourselves, obviously, enough time here to put it back all together. And do you kind of expect them to bring it all back in Game 5 and wrap it up? Yeah, I do. I mean, I've seen this. I've seen them do this before. You know, I think I remember... Uh, no, I guess I was going to say the 17 finals, they were up 3-0, but I don't think that's true. I think they were up 2-1 um, to one, uh, that maybe won the last two. I, I believe that's right. I, I can't remember, but um, I've, I've seen the Warriors, you know, get way up in the series before and then, you know, have have a, a tough night in that, that one closeout game. Um, so, I, I, you know, th- there were a number of things. I mean, they, you know, Steph's talking about how they saw the video of their coach and everything that Steve said ahead of time, and, and that can put you in a certain place. Um, the Mavericks are good. That can, you know, Luka Doncic is pretty good. Um, <laughs> he didn't want to go out like that. You know, that could be something. Um, you know, and, and, and Andrew Wiggins wasn't, you know, what he's been, um, certainly. And so, you know, I think you add all that up, and um, I, I just think you're right. I think they, they get refocused, and they play much better game five and, and move on. I, I do I no circumstance do I see them blowing the series and blowing a three oh lead. Joe, you know this sport really well, so I'm gonna have you put on your GM hat here. Luka Doncic right. is a legit superstar 
a guy that is legitimately a generational talent, and I don't use that word cheaply, but what do you do to give him what he needs? Porzingis wasn't the answer. What do you do as GM, Joe, to give him those pieces to take the next step? Well, <laughs> I mean, what they've done now um, is I think they have, they've gotten a coach that works well with him. Um, and I do think uh, has just around the edges helped Luca become, evolve even more. Uh, and even if it's on the mental side, um, I do think Jason Kidd has been good with him. Um, and then beyond that, what they've done with the Mavericks, and they've done this for a while, is, is they've tried to run more of a one-star system and line everybody else up around him um, who are role players, you know, specific to a role. Um, and that's worked well uh, this year until you get, you know, to, to the conference finals, which is pretty deep. Um, so you say, what do you do? You know, I, like, I'm not exactly sure what their salary cap situation is. Um, you know, I can see their assets. I can see who they have on the roster now. Um, they need a big, right? They, they need a, a rim-protecting big. I mean, I saw, you know, somebody float a trade deal yesterday where uh, they could end up with Rudy from Utah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, you know, so, so is, is that what you're doing? I mean, do you want, you know, somebody who can stand back there and protect the rim, give Lucas some help when he's not – wonderful defensively yeah maybe that's a thing um you give him you know a more accomplished three-point shooter somebody who can kind of catch off of his drives sure but Jalen Brunson's been very good um so I I don't I I like the Mavericks I like what they're doing um you know it took LeBron you know a number of years to get to his first finals and he was you know I mean the the players around him at that time I, I don't think are as good collectively is what Dallas has around Luca now. Um, Luca's happy to be there, so I don't necessarily know about like the sense, you know, senses of urgency in terms of like, oh my God, we're gonna lose him. Um, right. so I think if you're Dallas you take a measured approach. Uh, you go and you find uh, that rim protector. Um, you surround him with a little bit more shooting. But I, I, I think they're building something nice in Dallas. I really do. Yeah, a lot of talk here, I'm based out of New York, is Mitchell Robinson potentially being the guy that Dallas goes after, either as a free mm-hmm. agent um, or you know a trade for Jalen Brunson. But the problem is apparently the, the money wouldn't work because they were drafted both in the second round of the same draft. And that, again, I, can't, I don't have a PhD in mathematics, and you need one to figure out the <laughs> NBA salary cap situation, Joe. You do. But uh, apparently that wouldn't work somehow because of how the money works. I can't explain it. Just take my word for it. Uh, Joe, you look at, uh, you know, obviously, you know, a guy that is Luka Doncic to a point, Russell Westbrook, with triple-doubles galore, he's at a crossroads right now in his career. Didn't work out in L.A. this year. He's probably not going to be back, you would think. Where does his career head from this point for a guy that is, some would say, a a stack compiler, others would say an all-time great, where does he go? Where does Russell Westbrook go? Yeah, what's the deal? Like, what's going to happen with him this offseason? Does anybody want him? I, I think he's going to be a Laker. Do they want him think, still, or are they just stuck with him? I think they're stuck with him. I, I think, <laughs> I think that um, they can't. They feel like for him, they cannot expend any more draft capital to get rid of him. Um, 
and that it, it would be less painful for the overall direction of the franchise to go with him one more year um, and, and that the impact on winning might not be so much different whether he's here or not this year. It's not like you can trade him an upgrade. Um, that would not be a thing. That would not be a thing that the Lakers could do. You would be offloading him for the safe sake of, of offloading him. I mean, and, and I think one of the reasons, like putting all the salary stuff aside and just sort of the, the logistics and mathematics of it all, aside for a moment, you know, in, in these coaching interviews, the, the Lakers are, are, are asking the, the Kenny Atkinsons and Darvin Hams and Terry Stotsons of the world. They're saying, how does Russ fit into your system? So, you know, it, it was obviously it was a bad idea to bring him to Los Angeles. Uh, LeBron's culpable in that. Uh, Rob Palenka is culpable in that. It, it was a terrible fit. But the salary being what it is, like, I think they're kind of stuck with him. You know what I mean? You never say never. To your earlier point about Mitchell Robinson, like, if you really want to make a trade, there's always a way to make the money work. You just got to get other guys involved. Um, so, you know, could they trade Russ? Sure, but but I, I'd be surprised. I mean, look, you know, Russ is a proud guy. He's not going to come off a bench. And if I'm Terry Stotts or Kenny Atkinson or Darvin Ham, and I want that job, I'll tell him. I'll tell the Lakers what I think they want to hear. But the flat out truth is. You're not playing him down the stretch of a game these days. You know, he's kind of a liability. So you're right. They're stuck with him, and it's not going to be a healthy situation if he's not getting minutes. It wasn't this past year. And certainly, you know, I mean, man, that's a bad situation. You're right. They are stuck with him very hard to move him. And if you're a Nick fan the way that I am, if they bring him in, I'll tell you what, not going to be a popular decision for Nick fans. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's no. bad. Right? I mean, how do you, okay, last question, Joe. How do you view his legacy? Statistically, he's obviously an all-time great. Only Oscar Robertson has averaged a triple-double in a season, and he's done it, what, three times, four times? But yet he's never yeah. won anything. He's going to, you know, the last couple of years, he's been more of a detriment to a team than an addition. How do you sit back and look at a legacy of a guy like Russell Westbrook when it's all said and done? Well, I'm glad he was part of the All-75 because I think he deserved that. I think that the, uh, the consistency of averaging triple-doubles like he has, um, you know, warrants uh, real attention and merit. Um, I think he deserved the MVP that he won. And so you, you put all of those things together, and yeah, I mean, he has a very nice way to be remembered. Now, you know, it's, it's not ending well. Um, and I think, you know, hopefully, I mean, we, you know, we don't know, we don't know what, what happens next year, but assuming that he never plays for a winner again, um, you know, and, and it's, it's sort of time covers over some of the tracks. I think what you'll say was he was a wonderful player, um, great impact on the NBA, who aged uh, maybe a little bit uh, more quickly than he should, and you know had some knee trouble that 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 really contributed to, to these things. Because you know he he never lost the MVP dominant force ego that he had, never. Yeah. In, to Russ, he's still Russ. And so I believe that sort of that belief in himself and sort of image of himself is what has caused some of these issues for him, and whether it's Houston or, or Washington or even Los Angeles. He just hasn't made, you know, like his college teammates, for example, 
Kevin Love. Mm-hmm. Kevin really, really struggled for a couple of years. And he was never, you know, he was never rust level, but Kevin was very good. He was a five-time All-Star member yeah. of a championship team, bunch of finals teams. And then it all quickly, it, it fell apart for him for a number of reasons. Um, but one of the things that he couldn't get over was, like, listen, I'm still Kevin Love, the five-time All-Star. And it took sort of what happened to him on Team USA and just the simple fact that the Cavaliers absolutely could not trade him no matter how many times they tried for him to understand, like, oh, things are different for me now. And he accepted that, and look what happened. He was in the running for sixth man of the year. He helped that team who really was, I mean, they're better, but they shouldn't have been as good as they were, and he was a major, major factor. So, you know, that hasn't happened for us. If he makes that adjustment mentally, then maybe he does become a contributor. So I guess that's the way out for us. Yeah. No, you're right. Carmelo Anthony, same way. He's kind of learned uh, later in life uh, his role, his value as a role player, and he's kind of embraced that as well. And you mentioned Kevin Love's a perfect example for that. Joe Varden, senior NBA writer for The Athletic. Joe, appreciate you hopping on the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. That was fun. Awesome stuff. I mean, he's right. I mean, I don't think Russell Westbrook has ever been capable of taking a step back. He's a very proud player, and that's been kind of an Achilles heel for him. You know, like, at some point, you got to realize you're not the same player. People don't view you the same way, and it's now becoming a detriment. You're not going to be a full-time starter in this league, and you're hurting your legacy at this point by continuing to try to be. He's going to have to take a role-playing role if he wants to potentially win a championship somewhere, and Joe Varden said it. I mean, the Lakers are pretty much stuck with this guy. What is he making, like $45 million? Great job, LeBron, recruiting him over to the Lakers. Un- unbelievable. Crazy time. Plenty more to come up next. I am Dan Schwartzman in for Rich Eisen right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. I do feel like it's different than the problem we always talk about in the regular season where it does stink that you paid whatever you paid to go watch this team on a night in February and a third of the guys aren't playing. This is not that. These are these two teams that are on the brink of a final. And, uh, you know, 
They are uh, the guys who can go, go, and, and, and players like Jimmy and Kyle who are clearly hurt, but they're, they're, they're trying to find a way to gut it out. Joe Varden, senior NBA writer for The Athletic, just joined us here on the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich on this Wednesday, talking about the Heat and Celtics Eastern Conference Finals Series. Tied at two games apiece, banged up players, right? Tyler Hero maybe can go. Jimmy Butler is banged up, we know that. Kyle Lowry banged up. Robert Williams III, NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Marcus Smart banged up as well for Boston. Guys missing games. You know, it's it was a... Much better series than the Warriors-Mavericks. I mean, Heat and the Celtics are just so evenly matched. They're mirror images of each other. Wing-scoring teams, great defensive teams, really good coaches. They're mirrors. But Joe made a good point that with Al Horford and Robert Williams III in there, Miami just can't... Miami can't do much. Like, those guys are so good defensively and harassing Jimmy Butler on the outside... Rim protection on the inside. I mean, when those guys have been on the court together, the Heat have been able to do very little offensively. Very little. All right, I want to go to the NFL here. A story that came out yesterday, and OTAs are ongoing, obviously. So the first time reporters can talk to uh, some of these players, for the, it's the first time in a while. And Sam Darnold was speaking you know, at Carolina Panthers camp. I like Sam. He's a good guy. Like, he's always been a nice guy. I enjoyed speaking with him years ago when, before his draft, he came out to the Super Bowl. And uh, he went to my Jets, and I was really happy. The whole suck for Sam thing was going on. And some of the Jets had traded up on Valentine's Day, I believe it was, giving up a bunch of second-round picks to move up with the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, they got Sam Darnold, and I thought, that's it. Finally a franchise quarterback. Didn't work out in New York, and... And a lot of the blame could be placed at uh, general manager general manager Mike McCagnan's feet. He never surrounded Darnold with weapons, and he was never you know never given an opportunity. Had a very shaky offensive line, but then we find out that he's just not that good, right? Yeah, the Jets didn't help him out, but he's also just not that good. He was a turnover machine at USC, and everybody thought that all his issues were correctable. Oh yeah, 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 great arm, uh, you know, smarts, this and that. It's correctable. We can fix him. I love when the NFL guys have the arrogance and say they can fix a player, and then you waste a third overall pick on a guy, and you can't fix him. The Jacksonville Jaguars, by the way, got a guy that they think they can fix with the first overall pick this year in Javon Walker. Guy who had no stats to speak of in college at Georgia, wasn't even an all-SEC selection, and he goes number one overall because of his combine numbers. He's a workout warrior. Jacksonville, of course, can fix him. Good luck with that. You don't draft a guy number one overall to fix, and you don't draft a guy third overall to fix. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, I, I, and that's the problem for me. Like, the problem for me is Sam Darnold is not going to say he stinks, right? Nobody's going to say that. But the truth is, Sam Darnold stinks. He's only 24 years old. He'll be 25 in a couple of weeks. But he's been in this league four years, and he's never shown to be any good. Last year, he started off hot. Remember the first couple of games, and again, he played the Jets, I think, week one. It was like, oh, yeah, look, the Jets really screwed up trading Sam Darnold. Lit him up for like 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns, then even played another good game week two, and then it all went uh, south again for him. Nine touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 2,500 yards passing, couldn't break the 60% completion mark. 
when he played in 12 games before he got injured. He's, he's not good. But Sam Darnold came out and talking to the media, and again, no one's going to say they stink, Darnold came out with a straight face and said, quote, as long as I know what we're doing, what the defense is doing, I'm confident I can be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on. Like, sometimes you just have to use better judgment, right? You're just setting yourself up when you say something like that. If I was Sam Darnold's manager, agent, whoever it is, preparing him for questions like that, I would say this. I'd say, hey, Sam, if somebody asked you that type of question, I'd say this. I believe that I have the ability to be a really good quarterback in this league. I've been working hard the last couple of years to clean some things up, but I think that I can get there. Isn't that a better, more political answer, Art? Like, isn't that a little bit less getting the laugh track for, right? Like, like yeah, you believe Absolutely. your abilities, right? Absolutely. And, you know, he's one of my favorites because he went, he played at USC. But did, is he the same as Mark Sanchez? Do you compare them both? I mean, is, is there similarities there? Yeah, they both stink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the... That's the similarity, right? I mean, they they both just aren't good quarterbacks come out of USC and both ironically drafted by the Jets. Uh, I, I'm just telling you, I just, I don't understand why you would come out and say this when you have nothing to back it up. You can't show anything to back this up. There isn't an ounce of rhyme or reason to come out with a statement like this. Because the reality is you can't back it up. Yeah, when your he, career totals he, he are 54 got... touchdowns and 52 interceptions, and you have one of the lowest QBRs since coming into this league and a record of 17-32 and 32 as a starter, you cannot come out and say, I'm confident I can be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And didn't he get replaced by Cam Newton last year? Well, he was also banged up. But yeah, poor, poor performance. Absolutely poor performance. I mean, listen to some of these clunkers. Are you ready for this? I mean, last year, right? So so he starts off hot against the Jets. He goes for 279 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, and a rushing touchdown as well. Completed 24 of 35 passes. Next week against New Orleans, throws for 305 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Week after that, 304 yards. And everybody's like, wow, this guy's averaging 300 yards a game. What do the Jets do? Three touchdowns, interception. Then two touchdowns, two interceptions, throws for 300 yards. And after that, the rest of the season... He throws four touchdowns, has two three-interception games, and is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. So stop with this, right? I mean, come on, Darnold, stop. Right now, what you're trending is as a long-term backup quarterback in this league. You'll make a lot of money, don't get me wrong. Sam Darnold can make uh, a ton of money as a good, solid backup, right? Like I think Sam Darnold's a good, solid backup. If Sam Darnold's your backup and your starter goes down and you have to play Darnold for three games... Okay, I can live with that. And he'd probably make like 10 million bucks a year as a backup holding a clipboard. Not a bad job, right? Play till you're like 38 years old doing that. He can have a nice lengthy career. But for a guy who is facing life as a backup quarterback, starting at the age of 25 as a former number three overall draft pick, don't be sitting there telling me that you're confident you can be one of the best quarterbacks. Well, in this maybe he, he says that because what's their alternative? What, Carolina? 
Yeah. Maybe Baker Mayfield. Maybe that's that's where Mayfield should go. I don't know if the money situation would work. I don't know what the cap situation is for Carolina, but heck, they're in the market for a quarterback, I'd say, right? I mean, you're not going to go into the season thinking Sam Darnold's going to be your guy. You can't go in there having all this confidence that Sam Darnold is going to be your answer, that he's going to... Look, if you're Matt Rule and you're on a hot seat and your job as the head coach of that team is hanging by a thread, you're confident that Sam Darnold's going to be the guy that keeps your job there, that's going to show enough progress that you're going to win? And you get a contract extension? Doubtful. All right, NHL playoffs continue. Andrew Gross covers the league for Newsday. He is going to join us next. I am Dan Schwartzman in for Rich Eisen on this Wednesday. Heading into Hour 3 right here at the Rich Eisen Show.